Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. We're so glad you've joined us. We have a wonderful and special guest today, Tom Greenwell, who runs Greenwell Farms here in Hawaii on the Big Island near Kona. And before we introduce our special guest, Tom, we would love to share with you what's going on at Anikona Farm. And this is our Anikona Farm moment. It's looking like the holidays at Anikona Farm because we are putting together gift baskets and and celebrating the holidays. So in the next few days, we're assembling about 15 gift baskets, including some of our Anikona coffee. Uh, We're actually featuring Peaberry in those particular baskets, and we're also including some Anikona mugs. Uh, Our customers requested some mugs, so that'll be fun to share those. And we do also share um, some of our friends' uh, Puna chocolate that is grown here on the Big Island, so we can't wait to send those gift baskets to our wonderful customers. So, well, please, we can't wait to get started and talk about uh, Greenwell Farms. This episode is called The Legendary Story of Greenwell Farms, and you'll soon see why the story is incredible. And Tom Greenwell is joining us. He's a fourth-generation farmer from the Greenwell Farm family and he actually runs the farm along with his wife Jennifer he's the great grandson of the gentleman who came from England in the 1850s Henry Nicholas Greenwell he actually came from Kona I mean he came actually to Kona from England and the story begins with him so we'd love to welcome you and Tom thank you for being on the show today well thank you for having me well we we are so delighted and we're very honored. And perhaps you'd like to share with us sort of how the, the beginnings were with Henry Nicholas Greenwell finding his way to Kona in the, at 1850. Well, yeah, like you said, it, it actually started back in 1849. And uh, he was out, you know, looking to start his adventure in life. And... Uh, ended up in San Francisco with um, a ship full of supplies. He bought passage on the ship, and they had a hard time getting into the harbor because of the fog and what have you, and finally they made it in after two weeks of waiting outside the harbor. Oh, and how, so he got that's in. incredible. The, yeah, the, the captain was very anxious to get his ship out of the harbor because he didn't want to get fogged in, so he made, he made him unload the ship as fast as he could, and he got hurt. And oh, at no. that point, Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about it, San Francisco was a tent city and no doctors, and everybody was up in the mountains looking for gold. Um, so he was told to jump on a ship that was headed to Hawaii because um, we had, you know, civilization here. We, you know, we had a government, we had hospitals, um, you know, Hawaii was very civilized at that time. 
when he arrived here, he fell in love with Hawaii. Well, and that's so, how the journey yeah. started. Incredible. Yeah, it was. You know, it, it was. It wasn't. Uh, it was. He was just trying to find something to do. He really wanted a sheep ranch. Is what he started out looking for. And while he was here in Hawaii the, in 1849, um, he started working for, with a merchant on Oahu and was sent to Kailua, Kona to open a store for this merchant. And while he was here opening the store, he fell in love with the weather and the Kona area. It was very... Uh, um, you know, very laid back. You can imagine there was, um, it was just a small town down in Kailua, and he started venturing out and found a piece of property that he really wanted. And at this point, uh, foreigners could buy property. So he ended up buying uh, about a 300-acre section up here in Kealakekua, and started his started our legacy basically. Um, he started growing oranges. There was coffee on the property, so he had to start finding a market for coffee. And that's really how we got started here. Well, Henry Nicholas Greenwell uh, sounds like he was very adventurous leaving England to something that was so unknown. Was he already, was he farming in England and that was his background? Well, the, uh, his family had, they definitely had a farm. Um, and, you know, he was one of many children and so for him to, you know, he was not going to get any inheritance, I guess. And so he, he went out on his own. And uh, he did have farming experience. Well, and it, it sounds like, too, that the, um, the lands that were starting to become available to foreigners in, um, in 1850s by King Kamehameha III, it sounds like he, he just took that opportunity and started farming these oranges. How did that go? Did he end up um, maybe changing course to coffee for a reason? Well, yeah, it was, you know, as the orange, you know, a good, uh, a good Englishman would always make sure there was some kind of citrus at all ports. So I guess he followed the good English tradition, and that's why he started with oranges. But there was a lot of coffee land coming, from, you know, that was coming up for sale. And, you know, being from England, they it was hard to have, you know, acquire land. So he just took that opportunity, and whenever land was for sale, he purchased it. Well, it so happened that most of this land that he was purchasing at that time was coffee land. Um, and there was quite a bit of it. So he would purchase the land, find somebody that wanted to farm the coffee, and he would eventually buy coffee back from his tenants. And right. that's how he got paid, right, for the, for the lease of the land back to them. So Yes. Yeah. And he had to start marketing coffee around the world. And that's how he, his coffee 
um, you know, adventure started, really. Well, that's the exciting part where I loved learning that in 1873 at the World Expo in Vienna, Austria, that was a special moment for Henry Greenwell. Please tell us about that. You know, it was a special moment for him. It was also a special moment for Kona Coffee because being the entrepreneur that he was, he knew he had to create this market around the world for our coffee. And so he took coffee from Kona to the World Fair in Vienna, Austria in 1873, and it was awarded a certificate of excellence for his coffee by the Kaiser of the World Fair. And, um, you know, it just, it kind of was, it put a stamp upon his, his marketing of coffee because, you know, that's halfway across the world. It sure is. Well, and we're grateful to Henry Greenwell. As a Kona coffee farmer, we're very grateful to the Greenwell family for really sharing the beauty and the deliciousness of Kona coffee and, and introducing Kona coffee to the world. So that was an incredible moment in 1873 at the World Expo. But it sounds like after that, uh, Mr. Henry Nicholas Greenwell actually made it back to Kona, or did he, what happened after the World Expo? Well, he, you know, he, he was a traveler, so he constantly traveled. But he came back. He finally got his sheep ranch. He was able to purchase that from uh, a gentleman on the mountain here. And he, so he started his sheep farming, you know, dream, as well as he was well in the oranges and then, of course, on a coffee. Um, he passed away sometime in 1890s, I believe it was. And at that point, the family decided that the cattle ranching at that time was the most important part of their, you know, I mean, he did so much that he had so many, uh, you know, businesses going, so they had to kind of figure out what they could run. But my great-grandmother at that point tried her and in growing coffee, and she planted a lot of acreage up here in Kealakekua in 1900. And by 1903, she decided coffee farming was very hard work. <laughs> and it took a lot yes. of time, and she concentrated basically on her store and the ranch at that time. Well, and is that your great-grandmother, Elizabeth Caroline? Yes. Yes, and she... Is it? I also was really curious to ask that she and Henry Greenwell had ten children. Tell us a little yes. bit more about the ten children. Well, um, she had. They had ten children. Um, my great grandfather was the old. My grandfather was the oldest of the ten, and so he inherited a portion of the property here in Kalakikua. Um, and the, his two younger brothers also inherited parts of 
the ranch up um, in, in Hololoa, uh, Polani Ranch, and down okay. south was uh, Galakikula Ranch. Um, they all had coffee, and so everybody, every everybody in the family, in one way or another, was connected with the Kona coffee. With the Kona coffee, and it is true that Henry Greenwell did so many improvements to the Kona district area, and so we're so grateful to him. And that's a legacy in itself, and just the whole promotion of Kona coffee. So it sounds like then um, there was some help to manage those coffee lands to help your great grandmother Elizabeth Caroline. How did how did you? How did you find that the family pulled together in supporting each other during these times? Well, you know, it's um, back in those days, it was far, pretty far in between where everybody was living. And the coffee industry was, you know, uh, probably the most important farming industry in Kona. And then there was ranching. So between the two businesses, they had to work together to continue this selling all that coffee. You know, marketing is yes. so important. And you have to keep it. You got to keep people interested and excited about the coffee. And they, they, they work well together. Absolutely. Are there some favorite coffee stories that have been passed down through the generations from those early days, Tom? You know, I, I, I was thinking about, you know, what stories. And really the, the one that sticks in my mind is the, the, how my great-grandfather, Henry Nicholas, purchased coffee. And... I was going through the records one day, and I was, and his price was you know, nine cents for fresh coffee picked off the tree, six cents for dried coffee picked off the tree, and three cents for soiled coffee. And I kept thinking, soiled coffee. Soiled. What is that? <laughs> yes. And it's obvious they didn't waste a bit, right? They'd pick it up off the ground. And figure out how to you know do something with it, and so I mean it has to be, you know it, it just goes to show you don't let anything go to waste. No, that is a great story, and thank you for sharing that with us. We can't wait to hear Tom a little bit more about family family times on the ranch, as well as some of the lessons. And some of the lessons from Mr. Takashiba to you, as well as you can share with our listeners uh, your interest in some of the mechanical projects that you've been involved in and how at one point you thought you'd want to be a diesel engineer. As soon as we come back after the break, we can't wait to talk a little bit more with Tom Greenwell about the legendary story of Greenwell Farms. Please join us. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We've been having such a nice time with Tom Greenwell, who runs Greenwell Farms on the Big Island of Hawaii near Kona since 1992. And his great-grandfather, Henry Nicholas Greenwell, who came over from England in 1849, um, really started the the legendary story of Greenwell Farms. So Tom has kindly shared with us how that happened, how he ended up in Kona, how he first docked, well, they were trying to dock in San Francisco, and how they ended up purchasing lands when King Kamehameha III started sandi- selling land to foreigners. So that was an amazing journey. And, and here we have Tom Greenwell, who is fourth generation um, in the Greenwell family. And we were going to talk a little bit more about some of the lessons learned from the early days, as well as learnings from Mr. Takashiba um, that really helped Tom learn more about coffee. So please tell us, Tom, a little bit more about some of those lessons that were passed down through the generations and some of your current learnings, please. Well, you know, I was fortunate enough to grow up on uh, the family ranch. My dad actually had a dairy for a while, and then he worked as a manager on another ranch in the Hamakua side of the island. And then we came, he came back to Kona in the early 70s and took over the family ranch. Um, the, being a very large ranch here in Kona, um, you know, there was, there was uh, really 
a lot of work to be done. So you you know you just you grow up knowing hard work is what you do. You don't even think about it as hard work. And when you do have time to play, you play hard. Uh, <laughs> and it's you know it's a really it's a it's a very fortunate way to grow up. You know, that's the way I look at it. Um, I think every, you know, the world would be better if everybody was able to experience that. Because then, from that point, you know, I I wanted to be a mechanic. My I was pretty much a natural mechanic. My dad was a mechanic, um, and, and so I wanted to go on to college and become a diesel engineer. Well, a lot changed from that. <laughs> to what I do today. Yes. <laughs> um, well, you received your degree from the Institute of Technology at, at Klamath Falls in Oregon, is that right? Specifically thinking of diesel engineering. Yes, I, I, I did two years. I had got an associate degree and um, I was called home early by my father. He wanted help on the ranch. And uh, so I came back and uh, just, we had a very large water system that we took care of, a lot of equipment. So I just fell right into the mechanic shop and um, doing a lot of work for the, the fishing fleet in Kailua and having a lot of fun until the day he announced that he had to sell the ranch pay off debt, and he was going to start a coffee farm. And I looked at him and said, great, go have fun. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go, you know, start my own business in the diesel, diesel mechanic field. So that didn't work. <laughs> oh. He, uh, he wouldn't let me leave. Uh, said, no, you're going to help me. So I stayed back in, you know, not stayed back, but I stayed with him, and we started the farm from scratch. And those early days of starting a farm, we learned a lot about our history in the coffee business. Growing up, I always thought we were just in the ranching industry. Um, and so learning a lot about my great-grandfather's uh, marketing and work that he did for the industry was just amazing. It gave well, me incredible. the inspiration. Yeah. Well, it's it's inspiring, definitely, and inspiring to all of us here, coffee farmers in Kona and Hulualoa. This, is this by chance the time, Tom, that you also developed the mechanical harvester? Tell us, please, a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's kind of how he coaxed me into this whole farming business was we're going to do it with a mechanical harvester and we have to develop it because there wasn't a mechanical harvester um, that was effective at that time. So we, being that both my dad and I were mechanical, you know, we looked at it, everything's going to be mechanical. So we, we kind of started changing the way people farmed in Kona. We set the farm up for machinery so you could drive up and down rolls. We had to, um, yeah, you, you got to prepare the ground so you can mechanically harvest. So we, he went and traveled the uh, uh, northwest 
area of the United States and found a company that was willing to work with us to develop a mechanical coffee harvester. And I think it was in 1940, I mean, 1988, we brought back the first raspberry harvester to Hawaii. And we brought it down to the farm, and of course, we created a big scene in Kona because everybody's going, What are these crazy guys doing? They're going to pick <laughs> coffee mechanically. <laughs> and, you know, that's all the inspiration you do need is someone laughing at you, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Do it. So we brought the machine through. Kind of Leo, I remember we had to go and lift all the power lines up on the road because it was such a tall machine and everybody was watching us and brought it down and took it out. We're just so excited, you know, got to go out there and try it. And we put it out in the field and for some reason, I don't know how it happened, but we had a, we had all these people sitting there above our farm just watching us. And we started up the machine and started... This machine and with raspberries, it basically slapped the tree and released the tree and the raspberries would fall into the machine. Um, so we thought maybe that will happen with coffee. We started running the machine down through the row and all we did was take all the leaves off the trees and left the coffee on the tree. And everybody laughed at us <laughs> and said, see, we told you you couldn't do it. <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, I hope you yeah, didn't give up. Yeah, that's going to be the fun story. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's a great story, and thank you for sharing. Perhaps for our listeners around the world, Tom, maybe we could just do a quick snapshot of what coffee processing looks like today. I think that would be really helpful. Um, here in Kona, everything is still hand-picked. So... You you know, you, the coffee's picked out of the field, ripe, comes into the processing plant. And there we remove the outer layer of the coffee cherry, which is we call pulp. Yeah. So we remove that. We separate it from the beans. And, of course, most people realize there's two beans in every cherry, except for one called pea berry, which has got one cherry. I mean, one bean in the cherry. Um, at that point, your skins are separated and your beans now have the, basically it's the fruit of the coffee cherry and it's a very thin layer. We call it mucilage. Um, that has to be removed and so we ferment it in a vat overnight normally 12, 14, 16 hours, depending on what time of the year it is, and wash the coffee to remove all the fruit and put it out onto hoshidanas, which are drying pads with removable roofs to open it up to the sun. The, re- the reason you remove the pulp or the, um, the fruit is so that you don't, it doesn't rehydrate later and mold on you because it's a lot of sugar in it. Um, after six days of drying in the sun, the coffee is normally dried down to a nice 
uh, stable moisture of about 11% moisture in the bean. Yes. At that point, we call it parchment. If we take the parchment, we store it normally for a month or so to let it age and re- it relaxes. We call it reposing. And then we take it to the dry mill. And then the dry mill is where we remove that parchment skin and we end up with what we call the green bean, coffee green bean. It's green in color, and that's why we call it green. It's not because it's unripe. And we size it, remove defects, and package it to be roasted. Be roasted. That really helped us a lot to kind of get a whole picture of what goes on. And there is a lot of... A lot of aloha, as we say, that goes into this whole process. I know Greenwell Farms is is known for modern techniques, and you're always thinking about ways to make things more efficient. What are some of your latest projects, Tom, that you might be working on to make it more efficient? Um, well, there's a lot of projects uh, going on. It's you know we. we we were one of the last areas in the world to get this uh, coffee berry bore beetle. And so I right away brought in a optical scanner that's used to detect a pinpoint on a bean. So we can remove any defects that this beetle, you know, creates for us. Uh, it's the, when you have a lot of damage, it's not good for the taste of coffee. So we want to continue to keep our quality as high as possible. Um, it's, it's helped us in actually creating maybe even a better cup of coffee today. Um, we work a lot on um, varietals. We've uh, uh, released two years ago a, a coffee... Um, variety called Pacamara. Uh, we've done, I've worked with uh, the Hawaii Coffee Growers Association and uh, with the Hawaii Agricultural Research Center on Oahu, and we've actually done our own breeding program trying to come up with a special Hawaiian variety of coffee. And this year we're going to be releasing that for the first time. Uh, That's fantastic. Nowhere else in the world. Well, Greenwell Farms does a great job uh, in terms of your quality and the deliciousness of your coffee. And we we're just so grateful to you for really always making Kona coffee, uh, you know, put on the map as being a very special, rich uh, specialty coffee. And I think that Greenwell Farms has had such a big impact in influencing that. So thank you for sharing the whole process and also the, some of your current projects and how you're working on the, the coffee borer beetle as well as some of the uh, enhancing quality techniques that you do there at Greenwell Farms. We're looking forward to talking a little bit more about some of the lessons you learned from Mr. Takashiba before we go to the break. Could you kindly tell us about that? Well, Mr. Takashiba is probably the most influential coffee person in my life. 
when we started here, of course, I was the mechanic, not the coffee farmer or processor. My dad was the farmer. I started out as just hopefully building machines. And our first harvest started, and we I had no idea what we are doing. We picked coffee, brought it to the mill. We had a little hand-crank mill. Now almost every farmer in Kona starts with a hand-crank coffee mill. And we pulped the coffee, and the next morning we had to wash it. Well, Mr. Takashiwa came down and explained the whole process and worked with me step by step. And he would come down and have coffee with my dad and come out, and, of course, they'd sit there and watch watch us working. And when you'd see, you know, what I was doing, he would come over and really help us. He, he I mean... It was really amazing. You know, he was running a very large coffee mill and processing plant, but yet he would take his time and come down and teach me, you know, why we did what we were doing and why you want to ferment the coffee overnight, why you want to let it rest after it's been dried. And so I've taken that myself, uh, those and I try and help anybody, every new farmer that comes in the corner, to do the best job they can do because he taught me that quality comes. It's not hard to make good coffee. You just got to do it right. And Mr. Takashiba is such yeah. a great mentor. Yes, Absolutely. Well, and it sounds like just an amazing gentleman. So we appreciate you sharing that very special relationship you had with Mr. Takashiba. Um, We're going to actually take a quick break, and we look forward to talking with Tom Greenwell a little bit more after the break about how he manages the farm today and also manages 30 employees, a little bit about his leadership style, how it maybe even has been influenced from his uh, his great-grandfather, Henry Nicholas Greenwell, and a little bit about the, the membership organizations that Tom Greenwell is involved in as well right after the break. So listeners, please come back soon. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco 
can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. What an amazing time we've been having with Tom Greenwell, who runs Greenwell Farms here on the Big Island of Hawaii near Kona since 1992, but of course is part of the legendary Greenwell Farm story. And Tom has shared with us um, about that story, as well as the learnings, the copy processing elements. And now we're going to talk a bit about sort of his involvement in some of the membership organizations that he he takes time to help other farmers, and we really appreciate that. So, Tom, tell us a little bit about those organizations like the Hawaii Coffee Association. Well, the, um, yeah, I, I was a founding member of the Hawaii Coffee Association. It's a, a association um, basically for the whole coffee industry of Hawaii, not just Kona, but uh, Kau, Maui, Molokai, Kauai, uh, Oahu, uh, Hamakua, and Puna, you know, for the whole everywhere and, and we we're just trying to help each other keep the industry strong um i've been past president um uh so I've, i try and do everything i can with the industry um organizations as well as the hawaii coffee growers association which was um it was founded about the same time as the Hawaii coffee industry, but it only deals with growing coffee and processing. And that also is a statewide in this, um, association. And then there's a Kona Coffee Council, which deals with Kona issues. And I've been a member of each of those from, well, the the Kona Coffee Council was actually founded back in the 80s. And my brother-in-law, which is also works here on the farm, um, he actually was a, uh, he helped found it within the first or second year of its existence. And we've been members ever since. Um, being that these are all community-minded associations, it's uh, very important to be part of it and to help. Um, you know, I'm hoping this farm becomes a fifth and becomes a sixth generation company for the in the family. 
and we need to keep the industry very strong to keep that going. Well, and we appreciate all that you do to make that happen. In addition to being part of those organizations, it's amazing what a great job you do also uh, managing the farm as well as at least 30-some employees. Uh, How would you describe your leadership style? Um, Maybe too laid back. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know... Instead of dictating everybody's day-to-day job, I tried to involve the management and the employees under me to to be part of it, be part of the decision-making, because then it becomes yours. Um, I guess, you know, I... For instance, you know, if we have an issue in the farm, I'll sit and talk to my um, my farm manager, and then we'll bring in the men out of the field and ask them their question. You know, ask them the question, and you know, you, at the end of the day, I think you get a much better picture of what's going on. You, they're involved in the solution. Um, as, you know, and this not may not just be about pests. It may be about how do we prune the field this year, or you know, what what is going on? What can we do to do it better? Um, but at the same time, I sometimes tend to sit back and let mistakes happen. You know, I see it happening, and you you know, I don't get on it right away, but. You know, that comes, I guess, with that territory, that style of farming or managing. Um, having a lot of having a lot of employees, it's not easy. So you you know, you can't be everywhere at the same time. True. So. It seems like though the employees have really embraced um, your kindness as well as your management style of being proactive and and making sure that things are running well and that it's all within sort of the story of Greenwell Farms and how you would envision even your great-grandfather would love to see the farm being run. How would you say, um, you know, we've read a lot about Greenwell Farms and it truly is a legendary story. How would you, in your own words, Tom, describe the Greenwell Farms legacy? The legacy? Well... You know, that's a very <laughs> difficult description, but it's it's been about uh, community evolving. It's not just our farm. It's, it's Kona Coffee. Everybody needs to be doing a good job in representing our, our industry. And I think it you know, we've always been out there to help all the farm farmers in Kona as much as possible, whether whether I do business with them or not. Um, uh, we all need to be strong. Uh, we need to change with times. Um, it's always nice to talk about the old ways, but we've got to talk about the new ways of doing things. Um, the legacy, I hope, I hope I'm part of this great legacy one day that they can look back and say, you know, great, great Tom, great grandfather Tom, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? 
Oh, I'm sure that will be the case. And so you were, you're down the road thinking maybe the fifth and sixth generations will be continuing Greenwell Farms. And it sounds like that is definitely you're setting kind of the, the seeds to make that happen. What would you say are, are some of the things you have in place now to, to hopefully ensure that like the next generation is learning and that they're there with you on the farm? learning from you? Well, um, right now my youngest son, Ben Greenwell, is uh, working here on the farm full-time. So we have the fifth generation involved. Um, we, we are trying, we've, you know, we're, hopefully we're setting up the family land and the, and the farm and everything in such a way that uh, it's going to be lucrative for them to go forward. You know, it's hard holding businesses and large land holdings together as a family, um, as a family grows. We're, um, so it's encouraging, encouraging the, the next generation to be involved in some way. Because it is part of them. Um, they, we do. There's a lot of interest in the family right now because they've seen good things coming out of the, out of the farm, the farming industry. And they say, we're trying to create that we create the retail end of it. So we are from a seed to a, to the cup, in the you know uh, business. And there's a lot of opportunities. It's not just farming. You got business, you have accounting, you know, you got marketing. So there's there's a place for anybody really at any time. And I hope that we attract more of the fifth generation into it and hopefully someday the sixth. And the seventh Absol- and the eighth. <laughs> Absolutely, Tom. And I was curious, and so our listeners, about your son, Ben. Does he have some of that mechanical bent that you have? You know, it's he, I, I see it in him, but he hasn't expressed it. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, he, he does have it. He just doesn't know it. I see. <laughs> yes. Well, just like um, your great-grandfather, Henry Nicholas Greenwell, set that example of also the importance of marketing and going to the World Fair, uh, That's. it sounds like that's something you're also still, you know, putting the importance on as you have your, your retail shop and you do do tours and you are so helpful to the Kona community and to other coffee farmers which is which is really appreciated. And I also know you, the tours that you do are something that visitors from all around the world really enjoy and appreciate how you bring this legacy to life with your tours and showing the farm operation. And I think, is it true that those tours still happen maybe on the, the same farming land that maybe were in your family from the 1850s? Yeah, where where Greenville Farms is located today is on the first 300 acres, I believe, that great grandfather purchased. It's right below great grandfather's house and store, which is now the Kona um, 
kind of historical society. So, and there's a great um, display up there right now on the Kona Coffee in uh, you know the industry of the 1920s. So it's, um, they're very much still involved in the coffee industry history. Um, and yeah, the tour is right here. You come down, you can actually see trees. Those trees I was talking about, my great grandmother planted, 1900. Uh, yes. Some of them are still alive and still producing. Um, and so we kind of go from the old into the new process. It's, it, the tour is to teach about coffee, coffee growing, um, the way it was, the way we're doing it today, um, processing. It's, and it, that, it's not an in-depth, but it gives a really good broad um the description of the coffee industry, and I think it's a I think it's a great tour. We get good feedback from it. Um, people tend to, yeah, like it, <laughs> which is great. And and I think if I just think about those trees from your great grandmother Elizabeth Caroline, and those trees are there on the land, and here you were mentioning Tom that you're doing the new book. Varietal, the Hawaiian varietal. What an amazing story that shows from, you know, 1900s to where you are today. Yeah, you you know that it's a, it's great having that well that legacy coffee tree here on the farm, and it's been it's really exciting being part of creating a new variety because you know as times change. Our, you know, the the industry changes, the, the, especially coffee market is changing from just, you know, good coffee to different coffee. It's not for everybody, but, um, you know, we're doing a lot of experiments here with uh, different type of yeast processing for fermentation, uh, coming up with some really neat, exciting coffees for the next year um, and I think you've got to change with time and stay up you know um, with what's going on and what people's taste buds are liking we have we have the best growing area in the world here in Kona for coffee there's no question about it so let's, let's you know my thing is let's fulfill it completely Let's give the world a little bit of everything out there. Well, we're. I think Green Oil Farms is definitely taking initiative and in doing that and setting such a great example on behalf of the entire coffee industry. Is you know, in addition to the Kona coffee industry. I guess before we close, Tom, and we've had such a nice time with you, and we've been just. So grateful to you sharing amazing coffee stories and the legacy and the legendary story of Greenwell Farms. Before we close, please, I guess we'd, we'd love to know for our listeners, what is, what is your favorite part of what you do? Boy, that's a big question. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's creating something new for the industry, doing something new. Um, 
you know, we're, yeah, the varietals, you know, creating this new variety or being part of it. I didn't create it, but um, definitely being part of taking it forward. Um, uh, you know, the coffee harvester, although it didn't work here in Kona, it, it's used on the outer islands and in Brazil and around the world today. More coffee is harvested by machine than by hand now um, in places. Um, my favorite part of it is just being able to do something different. You know, I, I get bored and I think something up. <laughs> oh, yeah. let's, let's change this. You know, change. I love change. Well, and seeing how you can always do something better, uh, that definitely shows through in all that you do, you know, making sure that, can we do it better? Can we do some kind of improvement to our process? That's something that I see that you're constantly striving to address. So that's, um, that's really exciting, Tom. Well, we really appreciate that you've shared with us the legendary story of Greenwell Farms. We feel... Uh, very honored to have experienced your story with you. Thank you for for telling us about how it all happened, um, all the way from the things you're working on today, including the early days of Henry Nicholas Greenwell and your family. So thank you again for joining us, and we wish you all the best as uh, you continue to work on the the next generation of Greenwell farmers. So we really thank you. And for our listeners, we really have enjoyed spending another another My Favorite Coffee story together. Thank you for joining us. We're talking about favorite coffee stories with Tom Greenwell has been so inspiring. And of course, if you'd like to continue the conversation, please don't hesitate to send questions to radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. And you can always go to anikona.com. And we do have our special My Favorite Coffee Story gift that we love to share with our listeners. So once again, thank you for a great week. We wish you a wonderful, relaxing time. And of course, a wonderful aloha to you. All the best. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.